We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Amen. So, we are busy with a series on what it means to be complete. And today we're going to look at what it means to be the offspring of God. So, what I want to chat about the little bit this morning is, so we are complete, and I hope by now you're sort of convinced or semi-convinced, and if you haven't, like there's five parts that you can go listen to online that will hopefully convince you. Um, but what I want to share with that is the why. So, it's good to know something, but I'm like, maybe you're like me, you want to know why. Well, it's good that I'm complete, but, but why? What, how did I get there? What, what, what changed? What happened? Where, wherefore do you say that, Peter? So Colossians 1 and verse 7, and uh, we're going to be in different translations, but you'll have the New King James on the screen. Colossians 1 and verse 7 says, Our beloved co-worker Epaphras was there from the beginning to thoroughly teach you the astonishing revelation of the gospel. That's the Passion Translation. It's the the astonishing revelation of the gospel, but he says you need to be thoroughly taught. That's why we can't just have 15 minutes and 20 minute sermons and then we think we're going to be amazing. I went to a, a conference in the States and it was called the Grow Conference and it's all about how to grow the church. And the one thing they said is keep your messages short because then you will grow the church. And I mean, they say every pastor doesn't want to hear that because you've got a lot to say. Yes, we do, but we've got a lot to teach. We need to thoroughly teach. So yes, I can do 20-minute sermonettes and we'll grow the church and we'll have all the chairs filled probably, but I'd rather grow the church by growing you who's here, by thoroughly teaching you so that you can go out and live lives of multiplied um, fruitfulness, of understanding, lives that knowing that you have. So that's why I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to show you not just that you are complete, but why, and then we're going to look next week probably at some of the power that we have. Because if we're complete, we power-packed and fully loaded, then we need to do something with that. Amen? It's no use to just be a, a powerful vessel for the kingdom and sit in a, in a hangar somewhere. So it says you need to be thoroughly taught, what? The astonishing revelation of the gospel. Now, some of the things we've taught of late, people are like astonished. <laughs> some are offended, some are astonished. But it needs to be something different. It can't just be like, and, and we're not trying to be different than anyone else. We're just trying to show you what the word is, how clear it is. And once you've seen it, like it's like the scales fall of your eyes because Jesus said in um, this prophesied about Jesus in Isaiah 61 and then he said in Luke 4 verse 18 that the blind will see and he put down the, the scroll and he says today this is fulfilled in your in your in your hearing so there was a prophecy in the Old Testament about blind people seeing it doesn't record in Luke 4 that anyone got up and put their glasses down and say hey I can see so it cannot speak about just physical manifestation of sight it needs to be something about the spiritual and sometimes like i don't know if you i don't want to say raise your hand if you have a grace revelation <laughs> but if you do you know when you were blind and now you can see and all of a sudden it's the same scriptures you're like what was it there all along how could it be like i mean i remember growing up and there was like there was bible school series on ephesians but they didn't teach what we teach on ephesians because now we see. And then we go deeper into this astonishing revelation of what we see. 
So Colossians 1 and verse 7 from the King James says, As you have learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. So minister really is a servant. And we said it's like a, um, you're like a waiter. That's really the best way. You're ministering. You're bedin. The Afrikaans word is bedin. Like, I, I serve you, but what do I serve you? It says, it's a minister of Christ. Now, what we think is, this is someone who works for Christ. No, he's bringing Christ to you. He's serving you the revelation of Christ, the power of Christ, the unity of Christ. He is ministering. He's a bedinio met Christus. He says, who also declare to us your love, where? In the Spirit. You really, what we're looking about and talking about is, it's It's spiritual. Borrowing your car for someone when you actually need it more that, and, and you do it, it's not, it, it is not normal. <laughs> it's not normal. <coughs> it's spiritual. It's super normal. It's more than normal. So Colossians 1 and verse 21, we looked at that in the beginning of the service. He says, basically, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in His presence. Like, there's a, there's a peace that goes above understanding because all the problems in the world, somehow we can understand why we're worried. If you wake up at night in a cold sweat, you often know why. Is it just me? You guys all sleep like babies. Amen? Babies don't sleep all that much. Now, let me tell you. <laughs> when they sleep, yes, but... That really said, yes, that's why she's praying at night. <laughs> because you need to be awake to pray. Amen? So that we can be in His presence, so that we can know that we can dwell there. Now, the word dwell is beautiful. It means that you, it's where you are in time and space, but it's also where you are in your wanting to be. So if you, someone drag you here, and you here, and you like, just are speaking way too much, I wish it would end now, then you're not dwelling right now. But if you're dwelling, you're like, you won't mind the time, because you are happy to be where you are. Okay, that's like your holiday. You dwell. You don't want it to end. Now, God's not wanting this season to end because guess what? The season is for all eternity. He's going to be with you for all eternity. So there's no next step or next chapter. So Colossians 2 and verse 10. So we're jumping from 1 to 2. And we're doing a bit of a recap today so that we can recalibrate and then move forward uh, from next week. Colossians 2 and verse 10 says, And our own completeness is now found in Him. Our own completeness. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. And you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. He is like everything, all the powers of the world is in Christ and where is He? He's in you. Now, I don't just give you the Passion Translation and you tell me this is not accurate. You need to check it out, obviously. So which, which translation is, the most ac is accurate? None. <laughs> Sorry. Some are more accurate in terms of the original, but then also some is more, like even some of the accurate old ones don't really bring across what, what, what I believe the message of, of the Bible should be, which is Christ. It says, Our own completeness is now found in Him. Now, the word complete there says... To fill to the top, so that nothing shall be wanting to full measure. Full to the brim. It's, it's, you cannot add anything to it. It's full. Like you don't need anything more. It says to make complete in every particular, to render perfect. 
Your perfection is found in Christ. Now what I'm saying again this morning is what we're looking at is spiritual, and the word Henry gave links very much to your thoughts need to be on things above, not things on earth. If I look in the mirror, I don't see perfection. I want to make a very bad joke now, but I won't. Maybe you do, then. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you don't see perfection, but the Word says that you are complete, that you are perfect, that you are thoroughly furnished, is another word there. You are, like, you are ready now. For what? For action. You are accepted in the Beloved, now you are ready for action. You are completely filled. It is something that is accomplished that will carry you through to the end. That's what Thayer says in his Greek lexicon. Meaning, there's really nothing to add. Not today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. Again, what I came to an understanding of and where I see a little bit better now is that it is our knowledge that is incomplete. Not who we are in Christ. So the Christian life really is not about becoming, it is about discovering what and who we are and whose we are. Now it's, you can build a church both ways. You can tell people they need to become something and that's usually more successful because there's control. Or you can tell them, hey guys, you're complete. You've got all the power in the world, in the universe, in Christ, where in you. Let's discover it, let's use it, let's tap into it. If you want to go away for a weekend, do so. <laughs> like, it's not up to me to, to, to see you grow, because you're already complete. You're perfect. But if we want to change the world, then we're going to have to realize what we have, and whose we are, and what's in us, and then tap into that, draws from the well of salvation, like we said last week. So look at Colossians 1, Colossians 2, Colossians 3, verse 1. It says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You see how awesome the Holy Spirit is. So Henry and I didn't speak a lot this week. He didn't know what the sermon is going to be about. And he comes up with a word. And he shares it from a different verse, from Philippians 4. And now this links in completely to what I'm sharing. Now I was having to prepare yesterday and like thinking about what am I going to share. So the Holy Spirit already knew what, was, what he wanted to do. Not what was going to happen what he wanted to do because it took both me and Henry to listen and to act on it. Otherwise, this miracle would not have happened. So we're complete. We're perfect in Christ, but now we need to tap into that completion. If I didn't come today, you wouldn't have the privilege of seeing how a word from worship links to a message. So it's really not that we need to do things for God, but we can. <laughs> Amen. Who wants to do things for God? Who wants to change the world, change a generation, change a nation, change the nations? I want to. I don't have to. But guess what? The other things in my life is not as exciting. <laughs> I thought they were, but they're boring. Like, I mean, taking out the dustbin, that's not all that exciting. I mean, but it's life. It needs to happen. I'm not now, no, not perfect because I need to take out nappies. No, like, we need to do life, but we want to do more. We're going to do the things above. It says, set your thoughts on things above. The words above there is upward. Meaning, it, for me, it shows like a graph. We're looking at things that's going to be better than yesterday. Because we're going to understand a little bit more than we understood last week, so we're going to operate a little bit more in that power, which is already ours. We're going to draw a little deeper of that well of life-giving water, which is already in the believer. Verse 2 from the Passion says, And feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm, 
All of them. A lot of what we do in Christianity is we steal from people because we tell them you can only do this and you can only do that and Simone can you worship so no one else can worship and Peter preaches so no one else can preach. And you prophesy because no one else can prophesy. No. If you have the fullness of who God is on the inside of you, then you can do what? What Christ can do. And what can Christ do? He was a prophet, he was an evangelist, he was an apostle. Yes, there's maturity, there's knowledge, there's understanding, there's operating in the gifts, there's being um, um, mentored. But we have the fullness of the treasure in the heavenly realm. Let it fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions. Ah, there we go. The distractions of the, heavenly, the, the earthly realm. We need to deal with things on this earth. I mean, we need to put out the bags, otherwise it's going to stink. Amen? That's going to be a bigger distraction. But it's distraction still. Because we're living in a heavenly realm. We're living in the treasure chest of heaven on the inside of us. So do not get distracted by the natural. Verse 3 from the King James says, For he who are dead. That's where you all need to say, Amen, Hallelujah. <laughs> that's the best news. I had to, to go to home affairs in this week. Now, you know that's always... Often I speak on Sundays about my adventures at home affairs. Maybe I must write a book or do a podcast about it. But it's interesting for me that you go... And they have these different counters and you can do different things. You can apply for your ID, you can do your passport, and there's always this one, births, marriages, and deaths. And the, the irony is amazing for me. Because when you're married, it's the death of two persons and the birth of one new flesh. Now that can preach, I mean. <laughs> but a lot of people who get married don't realize that it's the death of their old self. And then now you've got two heads trying to run a household, and then everything is unstable, like the Word says. You see, the Bible always works. It's just, you need to just apply it. Someone once told me, you can't take the Bible so literally. I'm like, you better do, otherwise you're going to be in more trouble. There is symbolism, but it's usually practically applied. You are dead. Now, this is like when you go to a home affairs. Okay, I'm dead, but I'm still alive. So you want to re-register. Where are you? Because you're now a new species. So your old life is dead with Christ, but now you are one with Him. His life is now in you. But look at this, and I picked the King James specifically, so that you would not think I, I lied to you. It says, for you died, and your life is hidden where? With Christ. And now that part you would still say, okay, five weeks in, I can say amen to that, hopefully. But where is that? So we can say, yes, I'm in Christ, but you know when you say that you're in Christ, that you are in God? And it's on the screen, <laughs> by the way. Your life is hidden with Christ. Let me stand this side, rather. Your life is hidden with Christ, where? In God. Selah. Pause and think on that. When Christ... <clears throat> who is your life, shall appear, then you shall appear also with Him in glory. So Christ inside of you is what? The hope, the positive expectation of an outcome, and that outcome is glorious. So what we do, and I touched on this last week, remember James 5 says, if I offend you, I'll, I'll say sorry, but we take Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts I have for you. Thoughts of peace, thoughts of a hope, and an expected end. And we put that in front of us as sort of our carrot in Christianity because at least it's going to be better soon. 
where that's a prophecy in the Old Testament, which actually has not a lot to do with us. But the best way I'll apply it is that Christ in you is the hope of glory. So I'll give you a future, and he's speaking to the Jews in exile, but I'm going to give you something better, and I'm going to give you hope, and I'm going to give you a living, an expected ending. I'm going to, your end is going to be the birth. That's basically one way to interpret an expected end. Because what is, it, what is the end? It's when you die. But now there's an expectation, which is, if someone is expecting, what are they expecting? They're expecting birth. They're already carrying that. So Israel was already carrying the seed of Christ through the line of David. But there was, when Israel came to an end with the death of Jesus, there was a birth, which is hope, which is now the living end of that chapter of the Bible, basically. Now, that's why we say we need to understand and rightly divide the word of truth. Because what I'm telling you is good news. Your faces don't, see it, don't say it. <laughs> But I'm telling you, you don't have a carrot in front of you. Oh, the end is going to be better. I'm telling you, you've got the hope inside of you. You've got the life of Christ. Your life is now what? Hidden with where? Christ. Where? In you. In God. So what are you hoping for? What are you waiting for? That's the second question. Because the Christians around the world are waiting. Oh, we're waiting. We are. And then we take these scriptures, let God fight your fight on your behalf. And God said, I put that in you, buddy. The power the fullness, the expectation. Christ in you is a heavenly treasure chest. Yes, don't do it without God, but do it with God. Paul said, for I'm weak, then I am strong, because I'm not tapping into my power, I'm tapping into His power, which is in me. How do we fight then, seeing that I've gone on that rabbit trail now? We fight from victory, because we are victorious. So what more can you, what more can you get in life than Jesus? What more? That's why Paul says, for me to die is, like, to deliver is Christ and to die is gain. Like it's, you know what that means? The book's balance in Christ. There's a debit and there's a credit. If I live, it's Christ. If I die, it's gain. So I can't lose. That's what he's saying. Because it's already the, the book of balance here. It's reconciled. That's what, when you reconcile your bank statement to your accounting, you don't think you're going to get an accounting lesson this morning. But you are paid. You are complete. You are perfect in Christ. Where is He? In you. And where are you? In Him. And where are you both? In God. So what should we think about then? And why are we in the world in the state that it's in? It's in our thoughts. Your death and your life are both hidden with the Messiah in God. Now He says here, When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him where? In glory. So Christ inside of you, Colossians 1.27, is what? The expectation of glory. Not just of survival. Oh, we'll make it. Of glory. Of expectation, of goodness, of God. But then he says, when Christ appears, you shall appear with Him in His glory. Now, 1 John 3 and verse 2 says, Dear friends, I'm reading from the New Living Translation now. We are already God's children. But He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we know that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. This is, this is such, a critical, such a critical verse. 
Because this, again, if you misinterpret it, it, it gives you this understanding that there's more to come. It's not what it says. It's not what it says. He says, you haven't an understanding of who you are because you are already God's children. But when Christ appears, you will see Him for who He is because you are actually just like Him. It's just not seeing with this eyes, it's seeing with the inner man eyes. And that's why Paul prays in Ephesians 1.17 that the eyes of your heart be enlightened so that you know who you are because you are as Christ is. So when you see Him, you will be like, oh wow, that's how I am. Why did I waste all this time? Why did I cry? Why was I anxious? Why, when I was so powerful? And if you don't agree with me, 1 John 4 and verse 17 says, As He is, right now, so are you when? In this world. You see why I say it's a knowledge problem, not a who we are problem. Your identity such an important part of what we teach and who we are is identity but what is identity identity is not who you become identity is discovering who you are you belong to so and so you were born there and there and this is your family history that gives you belonging it gives you identity so you need to get established in your identity but that doesn't change who you are it just shows you who you are Think about a movie where they, this child doesn't know who his parents are and then all of a sudden he discovers who his parents are and now he's got like oomph and now he goes for it. Did he get new parents? No. He just discovered who his parents was all along. And that's what this verse is saying. It's like you will see God as He is. You'll see Christ when He appears. But we do know that we will be like Him for we will see Him as He is. When? Now. But we will be like Him then. No, we are like Him then. We just don't see it. Because we're still looking with these eyes. Colossians 3 and verse 10 says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. There you go. Not renewed in shadows and traditions and things. You are renewed in knowledge. We need to be refreshed in our knowledge of the word. Remember, I need to thoroughly teach you the astonishing revelations of the gospel. That is renewing, the renewal of the washing of the water of the word, Ephesians 5. It's not renewing you to becoming a born again, 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 and next week come again for another born again experience. No, it is showing you and renewing your passion, your vigor, your purpose, your, your identity into who you already are. But that is through knowledge. After the image... What is the knowledge about? Is it about how many books we can read and how many theology seminars we can attend? No, it's about the image. It's about the picture of who Christ is and where He is and where are you in Him. It's really all about that image. Him that created. The renewal is in the knowledge. The Amplified Classic says, And you have clothed yourselves with the new spiritual self, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded into a fuller, and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge. You see, we get the understanding from these verses incorrectly so that we need to become more perfect, that we need to become fuller of God, that we need to become more mature. Maturity is not becoming more like God. It is just growing up in who you are. That's what maturity is. It's dying to self through the knowledge of who Christ is because if you die to self, you can live from God as your source. That's what Paul said. When I'm weak then I'm strong because then I'm pulling not from my fleshly power but from my godly power. And where's that? In Christ and where's that? 
in God. Now come, please tell me, where can you get more power than in God? And we won't, because we know that's where the fullness is, but that's where we are. That's where we are. doesn't feel like it. doesn't look like it if we look around. But we are renewed through the knowledge of who we are. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The image, the likeness of Him who created us. I need to read this. Our knowledge is becoming fuller and more perfect, not us. Our knowledge becomes fuller. That's revelation. We grow in revelation. Revelation is what already is. It's showing you what is. We are complete and perfect in Him. We just don't know it. Colossians 3.11. Again, Amplified Classic says, In this new creation, all distinctions vanish. There is no room for, and there can neither be Greek or Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised. No difference between nations, whether alien, barbarians, Scythians, who are the most savage of all, nor slave or free men. But Christ is all and in all. Everywhere, um, everything and everywhere to all men without distinction of person. So, we don't have one plan as grace life and other people have other plans from God. No, there's one plan. There's one message. It's the message of the Bible. There's one plan. It's the plan of God for Christ to dwell in the man through the Holy Spirit. The message of the Bible is Jesus. His body is the new creation. This is amazing. So, who is Christ? The risen Christ is the first among many brethren, says Romans 8.28, or 32, around there, 29. says he's the Jesus Obut. He's the oldest. He's the firstborn of God. Okay? We're all tracking. And you say amen to that. Then put that on pause and think about we are the body of Christ. You'll say amen to that. We are the church. Some are the feet, some are the hands, some are the nostril hairs, like we've spoken about that. We are the body of Christ. Amen. Okay? Now let's bring those two thoughts together. Because you're a new creation. All things have passed, meaning all the Jewish things, all the rituals, all the traditions, all the shadows. And all things have become new. But you are now where? In Him. So it's not like you're a new creation, I'm a new creation, Peter is a new creation. He is the new creation. And we are in His body now together, the new creation. And that's why then we say that His death and resurrection is now ours. Because we are planted, John 15, engraved into the vine who then what lets the power of God flow from Him. So it's really not about your history. <laughs> it's not about your root system. It's not about where you come from. It's about where you are now. And right now you are in Christ. And He is in God. And He is drawing from that place. And now what is it, what is it resulting? Fruitfulness. So there's a new way, it's the Christ way, and then the word says that we don't look to Christ according to the flesh. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16, it says, Therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. I say, don't even think about Jesus according to the flesh, because it's going to limit your understanding of knowledge and revelation of who you are. Because if you look at Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the baby, that's the easy one. We won't, we, we're not in Jesus the baby. Okay? Because where's the, the gold and the mirror and the frankincense? Like, we're not in Jesus the baby, but maybe we're in Jesus next to Galilee multiplying bread, loaves, and fishes. 
No, that doesn't make sense either because he's just like us. He's the son of man. But we are one with Christ and then the picture we should get in our minds is what the Revelation, book of Revelation shows us because the book of Revelation opens and says, this is the revelation of Jesus the Christ. And we are now in Him. And that's why if you look at Jesus in the Revelation, that's why we looked at the Scriptures that says, you'll be surprised when you see who you are. Because you'll see Him as He is and you are already a son of God. You're already there. But we are waiting for something. Because we are in the natural. That's the only reason. We're going to live... If you die now, you're one with Christ, you're going to live forever. You're going to be in heaven, like you're going to be happy. John 17, 3 says you're already there. Eternal life is not when you die. Eternal life is when you know God. What is eternal life? It's the life that never ends. He who has the Son has life. The life that never ends. He who does not have the Son does not have the life that never ends. Christianity 101. We need to not complicate these things. We need to operate in the power that we have, not look for it somewhere else. We regard no one according to the flesh. We have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. And then it goes on beautifully into this verse we know so well. It says, therefore, if anyone is where? In Christ. Where? In Christ. Where's Christ? In God. Where's the life? In Christ. Where's the life? In God. God, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you are there, He is a new creation. Christ is a new creation. And you are now new in Him. It's maybe just a little different than what you used to understand, but it makes a big difference in that it's not a little you and a little me and a little Christ. No, it is we are all together the same. All complete. Not complete to your standard or your dreams or your faith. No, complete to His standard, His dreams and His faith. I'm going to say that again. I don't think it, it carried over. You are complete, perfect, and thoroughly furnished according not to your biggest dream, according to His biggest dream. We all have the same calling, by the way. It's the calling of Christ. So again, we get, to, we get passivated through what is my calling. Your calling is Christ, to be one with Him. And however you live from that place, it's going to be powerful if you let it. And whether you miss it or not, you can't miss Christ once you're in Him. So we need as a church wake up to we have a calling and it's the calling of Christ. Yes, and there's different tasks and appointments and things to do. I mean, we all had a different a job here this morning. But do we really? If we're all in Christ. If we're all complete. If we're all perfect, thoroughly furnished. Yes, there's a structure to this. This body has a, a skeleton. He is the new creation. All things have passed. Behold, all things have become new. Romans 8. I've been wanting to go there for a few weeks now. Romans 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. And we love that and we amen to that. But that sentence continues. It says, To them which are where? In. For the first time, that's the word I'm circling in Romans 8.1. It's about the in Christ realities. That's what we can call this series as well. The in Christ realities says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Oh, then people jump into works. As you net die broer, then there's no condemnation. No, there's no condemnation. Why would he have to say that if it wasn't about sin? 
If there was reason to be condemned, then he didn't. If there was no reason to be condemned, then this is a wasted sentence in the Bible. But because there is reason, now he says, in Christ, that doesn't apply to you. That's what he says. And last week we looked at that, and I think that was one of the most important sermons that I've ever preached. You go, listen to that. What is a sinner? And a sinner really is someone missing a crucial part. It's not about anything that you do. And then, like Romans 5, all of a sudden also makes sense, which is a bit complicated for some people. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life... Oh, it's not the law and grace thing. We, we're diminishing what Christ has done if we keep it to law and grace. Because, yes, grace is the fulfillment of the law, but that's not where Jesus ended. That was even before he died. He said, now this is fulfilled. And then he died, and then he risen, and then he, he got resurrected, and then he ascended, and then he poured out the Spirit. So if we say it's just about law and grace, we miss out about all the power of God, basically. It's not against law against grace. It is the law of the spirit of life. It's a spiritual life. Where is it? Verse 2. In Christ. Not in your works. Not in your confession. Not in anything. Not anywhere else, but in Christ. This law, this is like, not law like Ten Commandments. This is law like gravity. Think this is where you get life. Christ. That's it. That's what it is. There's no other way because He is the way, the truth, the life. That's the underscript of the law of the spirit of life. Christ, the way, the truth, the life. What has that happened? He has made me free from the law of sin and death. See, as Christians, we are too much, I believe, about what is right and wrong and whether who's right and who's wrong, whether it's all about life and death, really. You don't have to agree with me today. I don't want to be right. I want to serve you, Christ, the life, the life of Christ. And that's why you're going to have to go test some of what I said. And you're going to have to study it out and make it your own. Because I can only serve it to you, but you need to eat it yourself. That's really what serving Christ is. It's putting the, the meal in front of you. For what the law could not do, in it was what weak through the flesh. There we go again. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Why? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now here where you make your notes, write Philippians 4 and go read what Henry's word was. Because it ties in beautifully. To be spiritually minded is life. It brings peace. Doesn't take away your problems. Ah, oh, doesn't say that. The one prophecy no one likes to quote that Jesus said is, In this life you will have tribulation. But take heart, be of good cheer. You see, Christianity, if we promise people a way, a ticket out of every problem in life, we are lying to them. We are stealing from them. We are deceiving them. It does not come to Christ and you'll never lack again. No, you'll have enough, but the abundant life is not in your bank account. The abundant life is the life that never ends. The eternal life, the life of Christ. There's many scriptures I can give you. Hebrews 13, one of them. 
because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Why? Because God is spiritual, so the carnal mind cannot link into the spiritual realm. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Again, go listen to last week, please, just to make this even, will make sense to you. If you're in the flesh or in the spirit, it's not about what you do every day, it's a one sort of thing. But you are not in the flesh. Amen. We're drawing to a close. Come on, guys, let's wake up a little bit. You are not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell. Remember the word dwell. is I'm not, He's not wanting to go anywhere. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Again, it's simple. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. It's a once-off thing. You are not going to die and die forever because you have the life that lives forever in you. The New Living Translation says, verse 10, And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will, be, will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. I love the Passion Translation on this. It says, Now Christ lives His life in you. Wow. Where is Christ? Well, He's in heaven and He's on the right hand of the Father. But He's in you. And he wants to work through you. He wants to live his life. And I want to, I want to let Christ live a little. Amen? That's a good title for this, area, for this sermon. Let Christ live a little. Where? In you. Through you. Because of you. Because where is he? In you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The world is waiting, people. The world is dying. And they're dying, a lot of them, without the life-giving source of Christ. The eternal life that we have. Where? Inside of us. And what it takes is just to share the seed of the gospel and to see life sprout and see people come to God, receive eternal life, abundant life, eternal life, all in one moment. Become complete and perfect in Christ. And then let's disciple them into a full understanding of what happened in that moment. Because that is how we grow in our revelation of the truth, in our knowledge. Completing that which we do not know Him. In Him we live and move and have our being. Where? In Him. In Christ. In God. Acts 17, 27 says, So that they should seek the Lord and the hope that they might grow for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. How beautiful. He's speaking even about the unbelievers there. God is not far from the unbelievers. He's one with us, but He's, he's near to the unbeliever. That's why when you heard the gospel for the first time, something in you was very offended. That's probably your thoughts in your flesh. But something in you said, this is it. Something in you was stirred, your heart awakened, because the spirit in you knew that this is the spirit that it's been longing for. Verse eight, uh, 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we live, we move, we have our being. Now remember we say we're complete. And I'm closing this. I'm landing the plane. We're complete. We're perfect. And I said, I want to show you why. Now, obviously, because of Jesus. <laughs> because you are complete in Him. His completeness, His fullness fills you, said, we said in Colossians. But verse 29 says, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. He says the offspring there... It says, since we are the offspring of God. The Greek word there is genos, from where we get genes. Like, not genes. 
who we are, that your DNA, your, your gene, you've got good genes, doesn't mean you buy at Levi. You've got godly genes. You are like him. You've got the genos of God. I saw these genes much more expensive than Levi's these days, but anyways. Yes, I'm a child of God. I mean, we'll sing it, but I'm saying let's live like it. We'll amen to that, but let's step into that. Not trying to become more like God, but be knowing, realizing, awakening to who we are, that we are the genos. It says, it's the aggravate of many individuals of the same nature. It's kin, it's family, it's sort, it's, it's who we are. We are of God. Therefore, we are not God, but we are like Him. And that was the plan all along. Genesis 1, 26. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. It's not new. It's the story of the Bible. That we are to be close to God, one with Him in His image, His likeness, His genos. We are the offspring of God. And then 1 John 3, which we looked at, says, Now are we the sons of God. We are the children of God. We are the genos of God. We are the offspring of God. And it does not yet appear, it's just an appearing, what we shall be, but we know that when we shall see Him, we shall be like Him. Not because we see Him, because then we see who we are. For we shall see Him as He is. Not like He will be as He is. We must still grow in our knowledge and the understanding of His fullness within us. Galatians 2 and verse 19 says, I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me gave himself for me. I still live, but I'm actually dead. Marriage, birth, death registration. So what happens? If you go register your death to your old self, you married, you become one with, you consummate the covenant of life through the Spirit. And you register, you get a new identity document, all at the same counter at Home Affairs. And you walk out as one with the new creature, the new species, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that really is what Christianity is all about. I say that every week now, that's why they're laughing. Because it needs to be simple, it needs to be understood, it needs to be life-giving. It needs to speak to the spirit man, it needs to awaken hearts. To preach the gospel, to live for God. No, to live God. Live godly lives. What does it mean? Let God out. He's already in you. Live a godly life. Yes. He's there. Let Him out. It's not about do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs. It's about life and death. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the way, the truth, the life. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. 
If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.